To have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to Genesis chapter 7. We have a long text as we consider the narrative of the flood. Thank you, Pastor Robbie, for giving us a wonderful summary and introduction to that. A special welcome to you this morning, especially if this is your first time at Big Woods. We are very, very excited to have you here as our guest. You are an answer to our prayers. A couple weeks ago, I um, challenged us, reminding us of our responsibility that we have in caring for our little ones and making sure that as we've made a covenant together to serve and provide for needs, we had to kind of push a little bit to make sure that we are doing that. And um, I just wanted to bring a, a report to you um, to uh, give praise to the Lord and also thank you for your faithfulness in serving one another here at Big Woods. Uh, Pastor Stewart gave me these numbers I requested this week. As of right now, six new individuals have already been added to children's ministry scheduling and are in the process of serving. Approximately 20 other individuals are in some stage of entering children's ministry. There's background checks and, and applications that have to be filled out. So we praise um, the Lord for that, as well as another nine individuals have been identified and are being approached um, by way of serving in our children's ministry. So just a reminder, if you have not talked with Pastor Stewart or Haley to begin that process, and that was on your to-do list, make sure that you do that as soon as possible, and thank you for stepping forward in serving in this most important area of ministry at Big Woods Bible Church. So I'm proud of you for responding that way. We have a lot before us. Hearts are rejoicing to be together and focus on the Lord's goodness, but they're also heavy as well with a number of difficult circumstances, obviously, that are surrounding us as <clears throat> Pastor Aaron prayed for earlier. Would you bow your heads and pray with me before we begin our time in the word together? <clears throat> Father, we love you, and we are most grateful that in your sovereign grace, you've allowed us this opportunity to be together, to, to take, Lord, the many kind of fragmented pieces of our mind and, and gather all of our attention together as, as one, have a singular focus on you and you alone. In a, in a world <clears throat> of turmoil and a world of trouble, we do pray for um, the nation Israel, the Jewish people that are under attack and living in fear. And we pray, Lord, for protection. We pray as well, I, I think, Lord, of the assailants and how blinded they are from the truth and, and how, how much need there is for them to know of the hope that exists, the message and through the work Jesus Christ on the cross. God, from afar, what can we do? There is so much when we come to you in prayer. We thank you for your outstretched hand. We ask, Lord, for protection. We ask, Lord, for justice. And we ask ultimately for peace and for your perfect will to be accomplished. 
Father, as we now have your word open before us, we thank you for sustaining us through the evening. And I thank you, Lord, for the presence of your spirit that is so evident, that has already been felt. We pray, Lord, that as we now become students for a few moments, help us not to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. And please, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be pleasing unto you, O Lord. We ask this in the amazing and matchless and wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah. Amen and amen. <clears throat> it's, it's actually been a couple weeks, if you recall, since we've been in the narrative of the flood, Noah and the ark. And the last time we left Noah, he'd been given instructions from God on what he was to build. Build in ark, make it out of gopher wood, 300 cubits by 50 by 30, make rooms, make a roof, three decks, one door, and Noah has been busy. We know that Noah has also been obedient. We've not only learned what he was to build, we also learned why does he need to build it? God was sorrowful at the rampant and quickly multiplying sin that was taking place, and thus he declares what? I will destroy them with the earth. Now, it is very, very easy to quickly label God, God's justice as unfair, or God is so mean. We also learned how the ark was to be a floating portrait of salvation. We see this when God says what? I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth. Everyone that is on the earth shall die. But... I will establish a covenant with you. You shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And so, Lord willing, we learned a couple weeks ago, what, by way of review, how the ark actually points us to the cross of Jesus. Think of it like this. Just as Noah and his family would be safe from God's wrath, anyone Anyone today who puts their trust in Jesus. Revelation 22 says, Whosoever will may come, and they will be free from the coming wrath that will be revealed in the day of the Lord. Remember the words of Jesus Christ himself. We read them, Matthew chapter 24. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be, will be, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. You know, it seems a lot like today, a description, people eating and drinking, doing whatever they want. And just as Noah demonstrated what? An example to us of preaching, of warning, and working the entire time, we are to do that as well. We are to do that as well. Let's pick up the narrative. Here it is. It's a long one. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 16, the word of the Lord. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. 
Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mates, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens, also male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. In every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of the birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were opened. And rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth and Noah's wife, And the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark, they and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. The word of the Lord. Now we know certain things. We know what it has been a long time. Genesis chapter 5 verse 32 says, After Noah was 500 years old, he fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Genesis 7, 6, we just read, says that Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth. The math is pretty simple here. We also know what he has been doing. We are well aware of the fact that Noah has been instructed to make yourself an ark. Genesis 6, verse 14. And he's also described in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, as a preacher of righteousness. So here it is, okay? It has been a busy 100 years. Hard for us to fathom. When you're like, Lord, it's just taking too long. I tell you what, no, 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 don't go there. A hundred years of preaching and building, of building and preaching. Now, you know me, I've preached a few long sermons in my life. However, I have checked, and although it is slightly debated between Pastor Aaron and Dr. Drew Talbot, who have both officially preached sermons longer than I have, 57 minutes and 59 minutes, respectfully, I think it's pretty safe in saying what? Noah has us all beat. 
He has this all be, and he's been preaching, in a sense, one message. We talked about it last week. It's easy enough for a child to understand. Here's the message. What? God hates sin, and, and he, he punishes unrepentance. Key word, unrepentant sinners. And yet now, at this particular point, the message, the preaching, the heralding, the announcing... The sawing of the wood or the measuring of the wood, all of that time has drawn to a close and the time has come. The clouds are forming and the sky is darkening. Here's our first point this morning. We see the final instructions that have been given. The final instructions. Once again, I love how the Lord begins here. He speaks of the character of Noah. Again, we have to look at the whole story. If you go back in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, we're introduced that Noah was a righteous man. But now I love this. I don't know if you picked up on the detail or not when I read it. I love how it's recorded that God says, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I've seen this. This does not what imply. This does not imply... It's not an implication that righteousness is visible. No, 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 it's not. It's explicit. It's saying what? A righteous life is easily identifiable in the midst of unrighteousness. Think of your own life. That's the reason that Jesus calls us light in darkness. My quiet times in the morning, I've been meditating throughout the Psalms. In this past week, I've been in Psalm 65, and it says this in verse 1. To you, Lord, shall vows be performed. In a sense, something internal, a vow that is made, is what visibly, in what performance we see it. Isn't that what James talks about in chapter 2? Have all the faith that you want, but if you have no works, it's dead. Now, we understand this, that we are not and we cannot be the sole judge of who is or who is not righteous. Based on the very fact that, what? Jesus himself taught that there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus himself taught that, what? Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Paul writes it about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, which means what? There's fakes out there. There's fakes, and there's frauds, and there's really, really convincing liars, and it is impossible for you and I to perfectly know the hearts of mankind, but it is also impossible, know this, to live a life apart from the view of an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present God. I I quickly remind people, I meet with people all week long. I remind them all the time, you can lie to me all you want. You can lie all day long, but you will never, ever lie to God. He will not be mocked. Thankfully, what? As we consider Noah, he's the real deal. He's he's what we're we're seeking to be. He's, He's the real 
deal here, which means what? What happens here? Righteous people worship a perfectly righteous God. It's what's, it's what's being revealed here. And that's why these last instructions, these final instructions are given. Here it is. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals and, and one pair of the animals that are not clean. And I love the fact that as God is preparing Noah, he does not miss a detail. You ever like question like, Lord, I don't know if you're like aware of this or not. Like this is really bad. God does not miss a detail. What is this whole clean or unclean thing? I was totally convinced that Noah is exactly like me and he has a sensitive nose. Which means what? He doesn't want the ark to stink. We better get some clean animals in here. So I was convinced that's really not the interpretation, just to be accurate. No, 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 no. Later on, we will see as the law is given in Leviticus chapter 11, Deuteronomy chapter 14, and it explains very clearly the distinction and even the purposes, which we do not have time to go into this morning, of clean versus unclean. That which what? That which has a split hoof and chews its cut. That is clean. You can eat this. You use this for worship. The ox, the ram, the goat, the lamb. It's clean. It's safe for you. And then there's what? The camel and the badger. Don't eat it. There's some, there's some, there's some what? There's some practical application here the hippo the rhino the lion don't eat it it'll probably eat you first so there's some there's some practical living here but why in a sense is it is it specific does he need seven pairs the number of perfection i think is quite interesting here by way of observation the reason is that after the flood the clean animals will be offered as a sacrifice of worship. And we'll see this in the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. While others of the clean animals, what? Will be eaten as food. This is the reason that there needs to be some extra. See how God takes care of the details of provision here and providing what we need in order to worship and be sustained and strengthened? Seven pairs, it's very clear, male and female. That's God's design. Well, what? There's only one pair of unclean animals that are needed. You don't, you don't have to eat them. You won't be using them for worship. And thankfully, what I love here is that the righteousness of Noah leads to the obedience of Noah. Noah doesn't argue here. There's no response. He doesn't question God. He doesn't complain. He, he simply obeyed. And, and I wrote these words. Is that me? Is that you? Or do you, when God gives instructions to you, do you have a better design? I don't know, God, that ark, it looks not real streamlined. 
Do you have a better idea on how things should be run, a better time frame than God does? Price of gopher wood right now is seriously up. I think we should go with the oak model on this one. I think you need to expand this whole clean animal thing right now. I mean, you have some bacon before, you understand. What we have to be careful here, what we have to be careful here is what? God is the one who gives the instructions, not you. And, and even that, even that right there, what? It demands submission. It, it demands surrender. God is the one. I keep on my office wall, what? The Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. God gives instructions, you don't. God is an authority, you are not. Which leads to number two, what? The door is closed. I don't normally begin like this, but I want to read to you briefly a quote from a commentary. Jameson Fawcett Brown says this, and the Lord shut him in, literally translates, covered him round about. The shutting him in reveals that Noah had become the special object of divine care and protection, and that to those without, the season of grace was over. Jameson Fawcett and Brown goes on to quote Matthew chapter 25, which we'll look at just in a little bit, as far as the parable of the ten virgins, five wise ones and five foolish ones, five wise ones who were prepared for the coming bridegroom. So, so the idea here that the door is closed, and I want you to note in important, and it's an intentional detail again, even with verse 16. If you back up just a little bit, we read the fact that Noah walked with God. The earth was corrupt in God's sight, and God said to Noah, similar to if we, if you remember when we began in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created, and God said, God saw, God separated. All this word for God here every single time is the word Elohim, the name of God that is one of strength or power of effect, Elohim. Speaks of the infinite, all-powerful God who shows by his works that he is the creator, sustainer, and supreme judge of the world. I would say that what this word, Elohim for God, means that God does what he wants to do. However, notice the transition, and it's similar to Genesis chapter 1 to 2, and God created, and it says, and Lord made heavens and earth same thing happens here in genesis from chapter 6 to 7 it says what for the first time and the lord shut him in it doesn't say that god elohim shut him in now why why is this here this word lord capital l you'll see in your in your uh, translation capital o capital r capital d is the word yahweh now, several things need to be noted here. I get excited about this, so just bear with me for a moment in order to properly understand the significance of the name Yahweh. It's a tetragrammaton. It's called, it's a technical 
term for four letters, Y-H-W-H, which is based simply on the word for being. Or it could be translated what? I am. I am who I am. Later on in the book of Exodus, Moses before the burning bush, I want you to go, I want you to set my people free. And Moses was like, who's gonna believe me? What do I tell them? What do I say? You ever have the same question? Like, what am I supposed to do here? God says, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. And he says what? You tell them that I am sent you. Specifically, it says this in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now, like, why is this important to note here from Elohim to Yahweh? Yahweh is the name of Israel's God, and what? And... God, who came to earth as Jesus Christ, Yahweh in the flesh. Remember Matthew chapter 1, we'll celebrate this at Christmas time. She will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is from the Latin form or the Greek form of Yeshua, which literally means Yahweh saves. Okay, so what is happening here? What's happening right here as the Lord shuts him in? The only one who saves is saving. That's what's happening here. I can't help but go back to John chapter 10 and verse 9 where Jesus says, I am the door. He who enters by me will be saved. Which means what? I love these details. Not only is Jesus closing the door, he is the door. We begin to see glimpses of what? The majesty of God. God the Father and God the Son. Not only will Noah be safe in the most terrifying moment you could possibly imagine but he will be safe for all time. Why? Because what? Because the Lord is, I am who I am. I always was and I always will be. I am everywhere at all time. And you and I need to be reminded of this. I see everything, God says. I know everything. I created everything. I sustain everything everything. I plan everything. I am the beginning and I am the end. Why is this so important right now? I believe because you and I quickly maneuver our way through life and we too often limit and sadly too often doubt. We don't focus enough on the sufficiency, the supremacy, and the sovereignty of God, particularly when it comes to the person of God, the Son, Jesus Christ. He's a man. No, 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 no. Fully man. 
and fully God. So as we gather what? On a Sunday morning, and like we got stuff, our minds are just like a thousand miles an hour. And you had like a crazy week, you got like a crazy week to come, and we have these few moments, and we gather the fragmented pieces of our mind, and we, what? we pull them all in, and we focus on one. Why? I don't think it's a stretch to say. One of my favorite quotes of all time, and, and I, like, I don't think it's a stretch to say this, is from a former pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in, in San Diego, California. He's a black preacher. His name was Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, who is now with the Lord. And I've read this to you in the past because it's one of my favorite quotes. And let me just prepare you. I'm going to read it like a lot more times in the days to come. Why? Because we need to be reminded of this. And, and it's, I'm going to edit it just a bit. I'm just going to shorten it just a little bit this morning. But it just focuses our attention on who Jesus is and what he has done for us and how today in the midst of a crazy world, you and I need to be reminded about that. Oh, I wish I could do it in the way that my brother Shadrach Meshach Lockridge could do it as a black preacher of the gospel but I can't, so I'll read it. He, speaking of Jesus, supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. And he serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he is indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Oh, I wish I could describe him to you. You know, and we could go on. We, we could preach a hundred-year-long sermon. Wouldn't that be amazing? On how great 
is this one. Now what? Now as we focus on God's sovereign greatness, we also have to focus, and this is, this is the time, we must focus on what God, Yahweh, who is what? Perfectly holy, we know that. He is perfectly just, perfectly loving and merciful. We have to focus on what he has done here. This is hard. He closed the door. Which means, let me tell you, the opposite of closed is open, which means it's not open any longer. It closed, and what? Apparently for seven days. The, the people that had been hearing Noah preaching for a hundred years as he's building that ark are mocking and laughing. And there was no way for them to come in. And especially when what? Not only were the clouds beginning to darken, but as there was the, the pitter patter of rain that began that did not stay pitter patter very long. A hundred years of preaching and warning and living righteous in an unrighteous world. And guess what? The time is up. And there's a lesson here. There's a powerful, powerful lesson here that is, that is hard for us, but it's reality and it's in scripture. And here's the lesson. There is an end to grace. And there is an end of God's grace. And we know that grace, grace is great. We sing about it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. If the old hymn writer Julia Johnson, what? Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Praise God. There is no greater news than the fact that grace is great. But it is not unending. The door had been open, but now the door is closed. Now, before you try to add to this mean God argument, please, please, please remember the fullness of Scripture. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, because they formerly did not obey, and I love this phrase, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Now today, you need to know that praise God, through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that what? That door has been made open again. Whosoever will may come through the sufficient, final, perfect 
atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That door is open, but the day of reckoning eventually comes. And the same God, what? Who opens the door is also the same one who closes the door. And, and let me note here, refuses to open it. You and I have all been there. We have all what? We've had our suitcases or our bags and we have run to the elevator and what? We've seen the door slam in front of us and disappear. And we've felt the frustration. That is not at all what I'm talking about. That is not at all what I'm talking about. What? Because you can't catch the next elevator this time. There won't be another one. There won't be another one. Jesus taught exactly the same principle. But Jesus is just, he's just so loving and we just have to love like Jesus. No, no, Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 25 and you can read it today as a family. Family, read it at home. Verses one through 13, the parable of the 10 virgins. What, get ready, the, the bridegroom is coming. You gotta get ready. Five of them were wise, five of them from foolish. What, five of them were prepared and ready. The others waited and they waited the last minute they went to go get the oil for their lamps because whoa it's going to happen and while they were getting the oil for their lamps said the bridegroom came they went in what and it says right there very very clearly and the door was shut Matthew chapter 25 and verse 10 what and the party begins inside party begins inside thirdly and finally what happens the deluge begins i think the precision of detail here the day the month the year chronologically in noah's life and you'll see this repeatedly two more times specifically on on day month and year is just point pinpointing to the fact that it's a real event so god cares about details now, i cannot fathom i'm sure you're the same way the terror on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth. That's rivers and springs and seas. The windows of heaven were opened and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. There's a lot of debate and we won't get into it. Was this the first time that rain ever fell? I, I believe it was. Hebrews 11, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, some people would debate that, and, and that's fine. We know in Genesis chapter 2, what? A mist went up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Some people would say that this is the first time, but apparently Noah does know what rain is when God says, I'm going to bring rain and flood the earth. Really, it's a mute argument just to prepare you for the questions that will come in. Regardless what, unprecedented judgment had begun. Now, if you've ever lived in a place where you've witnessed the sheer force of a flood before, I will assure you that you will never, ever, ever forget it. You'll never forget it. We'll more, examine more details of that, particularly next week. And nothing can compare. We have no, we have no understanding of a universal flood. But certainly on numerous occasions, there has been local floods, I think even of our own history. 
right here, and you talk to people who grew up in Lock Haven, and they will very quickly to tell you about the sheer terror that they felt in the flood of 1772 with Hurricane Agnes. Very quickly, and I know our time is escaping, but you need to hear this. This is, this is our history. I love this. Hurricane Agnes hit Clinton County on Thursday, June the 22nd, 1972, between the hours of 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. The riverbanks at Lock Haven were filled at 21 feet of water. It began to come over the bank on the east end near the Piper Airport. Initially, Mill Hall was the hardest community hit, taking on 31.3 feet of water. Fishing Creek overflowed and the most damage since the 1889 flood. The two bridges over Fishing Creek were washed out. The, the Lock Haven Express reported the flood took a number of lives in the Rote, Salona, Mill Hall area. Here in Lock Haven, this comes from our own newspaper, listen to this. We reacted the same way that we always do with a sense of competence and adventure and a hint of insanity. On Friday morning after the waters rose, a man on Walnut Street refused to be evacuated from his house, firing a rifle at anyone who tried to take him. The newspaper reported that so far, no one had actually been injured through gunshot or the flood. Floodwaters seem to have stopped at Jones Street Everything below that being covered in the lowest levels downtown, the floods were about eight feet above the street level. Now, why, why do I share that in light of, and like, how do you even begin to compare? Don't take me away from what I'm comfortable with. Don't, don't come to my rescue. I, I got life figured out. Maybe I didn't plan this, Yet we, we all know what? This is where God specializes. It is from brokenness. And it is from devastation that God brings great blessing. From the fall, Genesis chapter 3, to the flood in Genesis chapter 7 and 8, it is only, and let me emphasize that, it is only Yeho, Jehovah, Yahweh, who saves and offers good news in the midst of bad. The hope of the gospel. Holy God, sinful man, chasm, and yet there is hope offered to any one of us who puts our faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we do with this? There is no need to doubt. Noah did everything that God had commanded him. Do you do all that God has commanded you? Or I'm, I just, I don't know. I don't like this. No, no, there is moments like this where we know the door is open. Not only is there no need to doubt, there is no need to fear. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13 says what? Preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we know in a sense the posture that we are to have even right now. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore what? Run in crazy panic and start shooting at people? No, it says be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now why? Because it's true. There are limits to grace. Genesis 7, 16 or Matthew chapter 25 and verse 10. What? That door will shut. 
Therefore, what is our responsibility? Make sure that you and your little posse is safe, right? That's it. Just you and your two or three people around you that you love. No, no. That's not enough. That's not sufficient. There is a need for you to tell others of God's perfect plan to save mankind before it is too late. The power of the Holy Spirit, what? Descends upon us and we will be witnesses. Like this is normal for us. This is natural. We're to go into all of the world. Yeah, but there's people out there that don't like us. We love our neighbors and we pray for our enemies. May, may you and I be reminded of the responsibility that God has given to us right now. A moment of his grace, a, a season of his grace as we rapidly, rapidly move toward what? The door closing once and for all at the day of the Lord. May we be found faithful to the task that God has before us. May we, we be reminded of the sovereignty, the perfect plan, the precision of God. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your love for us, your patience with us. I thank you, Lord. I know there's a lot here, but I thank you, Lord, for how you sustain us with purpose. You've revealed to us grace in this moment so we can be about the task that you've called us to do, but we admit we cannot do it in our own strength, and so we need your strength. We confess the times that we, we question you and doubt you, and we have an idea that's better than yours. Father, help us, Lord, to trust you, not to live in fear, but to be found faithful as messengers, as heralders, as preachers of the gospel, just like Noah. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.